All right. Uh, to begin the episode, everybody, the guests got to dedicate it. So if you want to do it individually or collectively, what would you like to dedicate the episode to? Yeah. Um, yeah go ahead. Ed. I'm Alex Gutterman, and I'd like to dedicate this episode to Mike Moyle, uh, who was a big donor for In Winter, who died within the last two weeks, to Bridget Sutton, who supported In Winter. And to our editor's mother, the mother of Booba, who died. So three deaths in our team or associated with our team in the last month. So thinking of them. Okay. We're back with Alex, Nora, and Joa. How are you guys doing? Very well, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. This has been a long time. We've been communicating for a long time, and um, it's been hard to because you guys live so far away. Some of us do. Yeah, some of us do live down. So, um, but thanks for coming. Thank you. Appreciate it. So, is this you guys' first time podcasting? Um, I was on a podcast at a film festival in New York with Abubakar Kamara, who co directed and edited, and I can't speak for my colleagues. This is my first podcast, so I'm right. I'm intrigued. I listen to podcasts, so this is fun fun for me. All right. Yep, I'm a long long time podcast junkie. I feel like <laughs> I caught that wave early. I'm really? addicted, but I've never been on a podcast. It is kind of fun. It gets. I think when a lot of people are a little worried about it, but not to mention because they're going to hear their own voice, and that takes practice too. If you hear your own voice and you're not used to that, but eventually, like I'm going to come back. <laughs> <laughs> it is a special kind of pain to hear your own voice. Right. It is kind of a shock, isn't it? Yeah. So how long, I mean, we talked about it in prep, but how long have you guys known each other? Um, we um, we met as a result of the, on pre-production on In Winter, and uh, it's difficult because it's back in prehistory, but I, I really do think we met in 2010 or 2011. Uh, probably 2010. Maybe 2011, we were doing research on our script and all sorts of uh all sorts of studies at that point and that's how we met so uh, jonah what is what do you on the crew what do you what is your uh, job hey this is joe colby everybody i am a director of photography and i was the director of photography for in winter so i play with cameras and uh i'm basically a camera nerd that's what i do <laughs> nor what, what do you what's your uh, position yeah so um i do some pre and post-production work with alex in addition to being um the central character in in winter okay all right and then and how long have you been making movies alex um i i've really been in the arts for my whole life i did some stuff as i was a kid i did some off-broadway acting in new york I, but uh the got into digital media uh, in vermont in about so maybe oh four uh or, or i can't remember when it was but in any case um it began to explore some public access TV shows, creating those, creating some shorts. I was working on a short film before I moved out to Minnesota, which I did in 2009. I was working on a film back east, and that film, that short film uh, morphed into a feature, which became In Winter. So I would say I've been seriously working in film since about 2010. Well, um, if anybody's interested, how would they find uh, this Babel C In Winter? Uh, in winter is was acquired uh, for um, North American digital and physical distribution as well as some international distribution by Dreamscape Media. Uh, in winter uh, may be found on Amazon Prime if a person subscribes. It's an easy way to view it. Okay. Uh, it can be purchased uh, from Amazon by DVD. It can be purchased from Best Buy, Walmart, a variety of other uh, Barnes and Noble is carrying it, and um, they can uh, they can go to inwinterfilm.com or search in winter. Uh, on Amazon, at least to find out some links. It's it's very easy. It's all over the place. So I, I'm going to throw out. When did you guys uh, film that one? We we shot the film uh, 13, 2013 and fourteen. That over that thirteen fourteen winter is that correct? I believe that is correct. Yeah. My my memory <laughs> 13, is starting 14. to fade. Yeah, <laughs> it was a cold winter. It I remember was a that. bad winter. No. Right. It, well, it's a challenge to film in winter, isn't it? Oh, always. Okay. Um, Nora and Joa can each speak, I think, to one or two individual episodes about that, if, if you're willing to hear. Right, yeah. About the sure. winter. I'll, I'll, I'll start, because I, I have a good one. So we, <laughs> so we of course, <laughs> okay. we, had, uh, we had talent in from out of town, and I, I, I should say out of state. 
Um, but also a lot of the people working on it lived in other parts of the state. We were filming in Duluth and yeah. there was a day where I think it was one of those, like it was a typical Minnesota thing where they're like, yeah, the wind chill kill you in six minutes. So you shouldn't, you like, shouldn't be outside. And we had this, this epic scene on, I don't How would you describe it? Was, it's a, a loading dock, an mm-hmm. ore ship loading dock that was no longer serving, but a massive concrete steel skeletal structure out against the bay. Okay. All right. And so beautiful, beautiful location outdoors that you that you kind of just had to go out there, and it was it was the perfect day. The movie is in winter, so right. we went out there. It was we fifty survived. below with the wind chill. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, that's it was about fifty right. below. So we had a we had a warming car vehicle running, and just it was it was shoot a take, run to the car, watch playback. Oh, we're going back out. So I think everyone hit their marks pretty well in the under those conditions. So yeah, they were going to nail it. Yeah. So you didn't have to do many takes. No, it okay. didn't, didn't take many takes. What what was some of the with the did you do digital camera? Yeah, so that was kind of the sorry, I'll try not to get too nerdy, but this was kind of during the revolutionary times of when DSLRs started shooting video, so yeah, we yeah. shot on uh 5D Mark II and 6D that had just come out. Okay. Um so it was so a Canon two show. different cameras. Uh yeah, and then I think uh there were 70, three or four total yeah, cameras. We had a lot yeah, of Canon quite a few stuff. cameras. Yep. Yeah. Well, how long did it take uh, shooting the whole film? Um, I'll speak to that in a moment. I just wanted right. to offer Nora the opportunity to share her winter story, which yes, was please do. unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, the beach. I, I know that you already I'm know so what sorry. I had. No, no. It's, so we. I hate the cold. I am not a hero. I'm easy to kill. I'm a small woman, and I am not from here. So all of those things considered, we had the scene by the lake house. It's this beautiful scene, and it was like at night, by a fire and she has to throw her shoe and she's so mad but it was like icy and very steep leading up okay. to the house yeah. and also probably about 20 below I know 20 I below. can't yeah. up it was 20 below Joe was negative negative 50 yeah but, but he wasn't yeah, but in we were skirt. wearing clothes he wasn't in a skirt that's yeah. true I was in a dress <laughs> and and it was just dress, like yeah. a recipe for disaster so anyway we, we had to rig do you remember Joe with the pulley lever system yes, I do, to get down. that we and it was just like so steep and icy that everyone was just like kind of mounting up the side of this house <laughs> and me with like a frozen foot well, so I was like high heels right without yeah. socks as I recall I feel that someone carried me but maybe yeah, I do. just so anyway that was yeah. one of the it was challenging it was fun and we, we I, had to wrap Nora up in blankets between takes and Joe needed certain long takes um, and it was 20 below and Nora was in a cocktail dress and high heels and we had one opportunity for a single take because we had no backup high heels and she had to throw a high heel into Lake Superior. So it, it was quite an epic. Yeah. Um, but in any case, there was a lot of that. Um, we, In terms of the length, it, 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 it was a very long and arduous process. It was my freshman film as a director. I clearly wasn't on top of logistics. And additionally, we had a great deal of uh, stuff that was weather dependent. We couldn't shoot in any conditions and we needed some continuity in terms of snow cover in certain cases. So all those things combined, putting aside some summer scenes we shot, which we didn't use, I believe we shot from a January through March period intermittently. So it was months, okay. months of shooting, but not every day. Okay. Yeah. And then um, if you want to just give me a little, what, what's the whole, the summary, what's the synopsis? Sure. Um, Really, the synopsis of the film is that um, two people uh, encounter one another in a very small, um, ice-locked winter town, and and their encounter, which becomes passionate, intimate, physical, also kind of throws a light on on the the problems, the loneliness, and the the real the reality that the the surrounding characters are dealing with, uh, and 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 sort of a, a certain human experience is exposed. Okay. Yeah. All right. And then were you able to do like a lot of pre-production for it? We have a very organic, slow, and you might call it an ensemble style of pre-production, which I'll ask my colleagues perhaps to speak briefly about. All right. And we're still doing that today. We're drawing straws. Who's going first? (laughs) Go ahead, Joah. Oh, I'm going. Okay. All right. Um, So... uh, And this is just specifically about in winter's pre-production. Yeah, yeah, in winter's pre-production. So that... that was my freshman film as a DP as well. So that was a, a very interesting experience. And the the kind of the nice thing is I think we all got to learn as a, a group of kind of um, both the right way to do things and, and the wrong way to do things, which is actually very freeing um, as a filmmaker. So I, from a visual style, it was me and Alex really having long conversations about 
setting a tone and like the the camera being the mood the the film opens with this really epic long shot that basically is on it's on a tripod and it does almost a full 360 okay following right. Nora walking through this like winter landscape town that's mm. uh with and you, you hear the sound of trains and the score builds so um yeah, I, I'm kind of losing my train of thought. Well, we were talking about the conversations, the pre-pro yeah. process. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So gaining my train of thought. Um, so the it was it was really kind of inspiring to be able to work in that environment together and go into it and and kind of like freeing to not. Um, we we ran a lot of really long takes and it wasn't so much of the stuff i work on is is it's like we need to cut we need to shoot an insert we need okay. to do that and this really let the actors act and let things unfold in a uh um i would say more not realistic is the right term but natural, natural. manner maybe yeah natural yeah. Right. so that that was kind of a lot of the conversations in prepro was figuring out how to work in these spaces how to how to give uh, the actors, the room to be there and give the performance in a space that wasn't cutting them off and really play off each other. And then working our coverage around that and okay. moving, changing angles and being able to cut things together still without breaking the 180 line and all those kinds of things. But it was very rewarding. So it sounds like before the movie, you want to kind of make sure the whole screen is kind of full. And kind of hold hold out a little bit of a little more patience with the very the, patient film. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you want to add Nora to pre-production? Yeah, I just feel like a lot of the way that we uh, discovered that we work together as all people who are coming into this like feature film, very fresh and new for me as well as like a, yeah. a lead character in a feature. And a lot of that's about kind of just capturing the real integrity of the place and also just like the essence of it is maybe what I mean. And, you know, yeah. and so a lot of that was was left open to what the space was going to offer us in the moment on the day. Okay, were you guys able to hang out a lot before you started shooting? We had um just we had a, a, a we would meet regularly for what I would call sort of vision meetings. Okay, and what would happen is we we I would just announce by email or whatever, hey, we're going to talk about characters today, and whoever felt like it from the team would show, and we'd start talking about characters. Very open conversation. We got to know our film, and the way I see it, this happened to us today with the hunter for me is it, I'm not I'm creating a film. Sure, I'm writing it. I'm actually discovering a film, and I'm discovering it with other people, and I don't know if you've been on any hike through a place. I don't know what I'm going to see when I turn around the corner. I, I know certain things. I drew the map, but the map, uh, but the film is, is, is distinct. So we will have these conversations and, you know, Nora, for example, just in November, well before our shooting, she came up to spend a month in Duluth. And I asked her to go to certain locations, businesses, places where the character she was playing would be naturally found if that character really existed. And okay. she studied the environment very carefully. So yes, a tremendous amount of advanced work at every level. All right. And one thing I'll just add very briefly is that the opening shot that Joa mentioned just to speak to his the cinematographic work, people who don't like the film, none of them have said they don't like the, the, the cinematography is gorgeous. And a, a New York reviewer uh, who put us on the list of 2018's best independent films released in, yes. in he, yeah, that person, that I'll one. send that to you. They, they indicated that the opening shot was as good as any they've seen in any film. And that's the shot he's referring to. So anyway. It was cool. So prior to the movie, what else work were you doing prior to that? Um, so oh, how many? So this is like 2013. 13, 2013. 14. So yeah, I really, I had I had come out of film school and I was really like working my way into actually being paid to do camera right, stuff, yeah, no, right? So it's like, yeah. you know, I was a PA on like commercials and that was like the bigger corporate-y stuff I was doing. And then also like shooting a lot of music videos and like basically... Um, taking any chance I could to have a camera in my hand and shoot stuff. I was like, oh, I'm going to do that. You so. still uh, you still do like still, for, still for, 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 uh, photography? Well, now, now I do video yeah. full-time as a, full -time. Yeah, as a yeah. career. but um, And I, I guess I edit too and stuff. I I, I shoot stills for fun. I, I consider myself yeah. a hobbyist photographer. I, the most the most uh, DPs I meet there still kind of dabble in still photography. Oh, well. definitely, yeah. definitely. I just yeah. don't sell that as a service. Um, I, I like to work without flash a lot. Um, so... I when when you know because like, when you start to get into the commercial photography world, it's all it's all flash and studio and well, I guess you know there's location stuff too. But I, I like to just like have a little like I, I shoot with like, a Fuji camera and okay walk around and kind of do street photography stuff. 
So everywhere you go, you pretty much have a camera with you. Well, yeah, my cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> right, everybody does, right, yeah. And, and prior to the movie, Nora, were you, were you were still kind of doing movies as well, or? I mean, I had shot stuff before, but I didn't really do, like, on-camera work. Okay. So Stage, right? A lot of stage since I was a kid, like, a, okay. to the point where it was, like, I do, like, you know, four or five plays a year. I mean, for for a long time. And I was just obsessive from the time of a child. What was kind of the big difference between doing like a movie and theater? <gasps> oh, yeah. It was like, oh, I felt like I have to hold very still. Right. And I started to feel when I tapered off doing live theater that everything was false and too big. And it would always be like more, more, more. And I'm doing like black box you know, yeah. like some weird beatnik play. Um, and I just felt like, yeah, it wasn't playing right for me. So to do that and to do that with Alex and Joa and like in this very still quiet moment where you can still have the authenticity of being creative like you are in theater, yeah. you know, like find your moment. So it was just, it was a lot more subtle. It felt much more honest. Okay. Because, you know, when you do theater, the response is almost immediate. Everybody knows. And it's kind of hard when you do a movie. Like, was that fine? You know, no, you right? notice, too. You okay. know when it works. You yeah. could, we would go, oh, mm, you know. And if I can just add, I think that was the really nice thing about having a core team of dedicated people that, like, when it was clicking, everyone was like, oh, I felt that take. Mm. Nice. Mm. Nice. Nice. So, uh how long has the movie been out? It's been about for a couple of years. Yeah, I know. Well, it was released in uh, uh, spring of 17. So it's coming up on two years since it was released. Okay. Yeah. And then, coming up on two years. And the, did you did you write it as well? Yes. Um, I the, There's two writing credits. Um, I wrote the screenplay. Uh, and it's the co-writing credit uh, for Abubakar Kamara is because he made some very, very um, important and major changes in editing that essentially changed the screenplay, changed the story. Uh, and so there's a co-writing credit there and, okay. and for his storytelling in editing. And then uh, I'm sure Nori read the script also, right? That was yeah. a big moment when yeah. Nori read the script. was a big moment for this project. Oh, <laughs> Well, Love. she said it's almost a masterpiece and said she wanted to be involved. Did I say it's almost <laughs> yes, a masterpiece? That's what those I, am I have a such... really good memory. You know what? That sounds like me. Yeah, that does. does. Yeah. So uh, when you wrote it, what was, did you, were you able to do when you, when you write, do you like to, like a help? A writing studio or are you kind of the person that writes everywhere um it's it's different now but right. but what happened was i had this short film called loss and the short film was was to deal with an emotional kernel uh, uh, sorry an emotional experience that i'd had a, and and i had written that and it, but we hadn't made it in vermont and then when i moved out here what happened was that emotional kernel was very raw and very pure and very very important to me throughout my life as my life okay. unfolded. But what happened was that kernel remained at the center. But when I began to see the the vastness of our cold wastelands and the beautiful old in industrial scenes and I began to experience the world that was around me, for some reason that short, that the, a feature formed around that kernel and I wrote you know the first draft of In Winter. Where it all came from and how and what is still mysterious to me, but it did. Sorry. Yeah, so it didn't take very long to write it out. It, it, took, it, it took a, while, a long, long time because we ended up our, what we actually shot yeah. was a hybrid of our second and sixth drafts. So we shot. I, I wrote at least six drafts. We also had a screenwriter who worked with us write an an alternative draft, which was very interesting and informed us to some degree. And we wrote, we shot on a hybrid of drafts two and six. Okay. So it was a. It actually, if you consider the short film. It took um, it took years and years and years to write. All right. And then, when you're writing, uh, do you, you feel comfortable doing dialogue, or is that something kind of a? The, you know, it's interesting. Every writer has their strong and weak points, yeah. and I think my dialogue is generally good to act, sometimes excellent. I'm very proud of some of it. Um, I believe I'm very very strong with concept. I'm extremely strong um, tonally. I'm strong with idea, and I'm I'm not a story writer. 
I'm not a storyteller. And in fact, I'm, I'm, I, I have been attacked, you know, not physically, but for, I'm temperamentally a poet. The, the in winter and the hunter have plots. There are stories, but I am a, a poet working in film and Tarkovsky, the director Tarkovsky talked about the difference between poetic links in film and what you'd call a more standard plot structure. And I'm working with poetic links, but there is a story that can be followed. I get and I'm working on becoming a better storyteller and down the road, I might make a movie that's a story in a more traditional sense. That would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Did you get, were you guys able to do like a table read? We we, we recently had it. We had a variety of. T- we just had a table read for the Hunter, our new film. Oh, you just yeah, right. Just recently. Okay, yeah. yeah, for the Hunter. We didn't ever do one big long formal table read for In Winter. We we explored it in a variety of other contexts, auditions, yeah. and studies of scene. And okay. it's probably odd. It's true. Well, it, I think I can kind of, and I have a compliment for you coming too, which is, <laughs> I, you know, I've never met an artist that is so dedicated to keep going and make this thing happen. You had so many chances to turn around and say, oh, the money's not there, the, the, like, we just can't make this happen, but we, we soldiered on and made a movie, and I am so proud of you for that. Yep. But I think that's probably why we didn't have a table read, because we had actors, like we had actors coming in from California, right. all over the state. And some were quite late. Like we were trying yeah, to find. Yeah. yeah, there were actors we were trying to find right up to the last minute. Yeah, so I don't even think the whole thing was cast when we started shooting. So you know, it's kind of like if you have a table read, then it would be it'd be difficult. So we never did do that. Okay. But the new one you were this new one that you are doing. Yeah, Nora, do you want to, the table read? Maybe? Yeah, we ju- yeah. we just had a table read for um, so our new film, The Hunter, yeah. and that was the table read we did in Duluth, and then we did more reading today with some actors, and it's just really interesting because Alex's dialogue is amazing. It's not, it's just, it's easy, and you understand it, and even when you don't understand it, and it's this complex, heady thing, it's still two people, you know? So anyway, it's interesting to hear these actors read because I'm f- I'm finding these relationships where they connect with each other mm-hmm. more through mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. kind of exercise. So we're getting a lot more of that pre-production reading from all kinds of different actors now. Yeah, it's, well, I, I was going to mention because I did my own comic book, and I think I can set up a story. I can't. I don't want dialogue's hard for me, really hard, because it, you want to seem like these people exist. No matter how yeah. good you are, you're yeah. going to have areas that are harder. It's right. that nobody yeah. can pretend to be very good at every area of writing it's not possible <laughs> so yeah um but i think if you're able to have a talent even some aspect of writing i think it should be emphasized especially if it's uh, like something visual or something like that or people are actually really gifted at dialogue aaron sorkin's really gifted at dialogue but some people are very gifted at ex- you know visually showing stuff yeah. yeah i should add one one of my only resentments against joe colby across the table is i've had people tell me oh god it was so visually beautiful i didn't even pay attention to anything people were seeing, <laughs> saying i'm like what you didn't listen like so i got yeah. mad but no i wasn't mad at all it was funny <laughs> Well, one of the greatest things I ever learned was from the, the author Elmore Leonard. He said, "If it sounds like writing, throw it away. Mm. <laughs> and if it looks like acting, throw, throw it away." It like I was acting, just going to say, yeah, "That's a good right. point." Yeah. yeah, and we did. Uh, to our credit, we did have some very beautiful shots that we got rid of because they didn't. Yeah, fit. you have to kind of kill it felt your like baby acting. sometimes, right? You have so to kind of. I was proud like, of us for that. Yeah, the, the phrase Think, is thinking of, about that revolving restaurant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the revolving restaurant yeah. was a huge. I deal. know that was me. Oh. Yeah. Do uh, even though you cut stuff, do you still keep it? Yeah, everything. It's all we all have it in a variety of drives. And one of the things that we're that I'm looking at with Booba is there's so many beautiful images. Uh, we we a couple quick things. We we've been thinking of just doing a book of the images. Secondarily, yeah. there's a painter in Holland who's very fond of our stills. She recently did a a show and sold a, a bunch of stills directly from In Winter. Are now in private collections. Sorry, paintings wow. based on our stills are now in private collections in the Netherlands. Wow. Uh, and one of our our possible uh, ideas for raising some money for our current film is to do a gallery show which would also feature images from previous work so so the beauty they stand alone the images stand alone as still images as well have you able to see the the paintings uh yes she i've seen i have not one of the paintings was physically given to my mother it's in new york city and a variety of others i've seen electronically through photos and such okay yeah it's pretty exciting that's a testimony to the to you know the the, va- the value of the visuals. I didn't even know that. Yeah, that is just, pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like every time we talk, something there's something new that's a, yeah. a fun trinket of knowledge. I don't tell them about the royalties because then I'd have to share them. Yeah. Right? <laughs> what royalties? Yeah. So, are you guys? I just want to kind of are you guys able to just 
continually watch other movies or are you just kind of so busy that you're kind of working on but are you able to still well i'm rewatching game of thrones right now to get ready so mm-hmm. that that's counts. kind of a movie isn't <laughs> it's it it's kind of like a movie it's like more like homework though right yeah right you have to do that yeah got my family tree map out yeah <laughs> <laughs> So you, are you usually like uh, Nora casually to watch movies or? Well, I'm doing a really, really big project right now, so not as much. But just before that started, I became obsessed with this uh, director I discovered that reminded me of Alex a little bit. His name is Henry. I think it's Jaglom, J A G L O M. Maybe okay. I'm naming someone that everyone would know, and like oh. kind of showing my lack of. But he's I. I just again with that realism I really like and he kind of shot I just anyway so I fell down that rabbit hole Henry Jaglum that's on Amazon if anybody wants to look him up too I'll definitely look and um, with respect to film I I am study it constantly and I study it carefully and I would say that my primary diet is great film I study Tarkovsky I study Kurosawa I study Kubrick I study Bergman right now I'm studying Tarkovsky Okay. Uh, arguably to some the greatest film director in history uh, one of the beautiful things Bergman said Tarkovsky was the greatest he couldn't even touch him Tarkovsky rated Bergman top whatever Tarkovsky uh, said I only care about the opinion of two people their names are Bergman and Brasson he, a very serious filmmaker and and then what happens is I will study film and I'll study stuff that no one knows you tell me to watch I watch Hamlet 2000 again phenomenal I'll watch I'll watch I'll absorb I'll take notes and then when we get closer to production I stop completely because it's this then it becomes me it's what are we doing right. I need to I need to study and then I need to stop take it all into my unconscious and my consciousness because now it's time for us to create our own work because when you watch this film you've never seen it may remind you of somebody but it's a unique living organism. There is nothing else like it. It's not on any formula. It's a new thing, and it will never be repeated. So I, I think I'm gonna go back to Roger Ebert, Ebert, and he said, great films always seem new again. Is that kind of the same thing you have kind of? We strive for that. I, yeah. I, I can't say if we achieved it. I have heard from many, many people who didn't stop watching it because they hate it. People who <laughs> appreciate the film right. have said that they appreciate it more as they watch it more. Right. That's been what I've heard from people who think it's a valuable piece of work. I have had that experience myself, but I can't comment. It's my film. It's, <laughs> right. I, you know. But in any case, it, there's a lot. What I will say is that yeah. objectively speaking in our work, there's a great deal of thought put into everything from lighting to how the camera's used to sound. And there's a great deal. So there's a great deal of layers. Yeah. You can go in and if you're interested in the work, which is certainly not necessarily the case, you will have opportunity to find. You could study literally how the cameras moved and be looking at that for one. You will find new things every time. Why was that insert there? Why was that? Because the reason is we simply think very hard and there's a lot that's done that's intentional on a lot of layers. Okay. So it can reward that study if people are interested. So it sounds like you have, I'm constantly thinking about movies. I, I, I will say that's true. And and what ha, what what happens is it becomes more constantly thinking about the project we're working on constantly like everything from people's body language to like everything begins to filter through to this film yeah i kind of a little bit of relate because i'm making my book and it's constantly graphic novel right yeah my graphic novel and i it's like and i'm i'm at work but i'm thinking like how would i frame this panel how would it look would it look like this right absolutely and it kind of gets annoying when people you know people i'm sure i look the, you know <laughs> get out away from me I'm thinking all the time but yeah yeah is there is there like anyway. no, any kind of artist or art that you know that you really like that isn't obsessive like is that possible that we don't just filter everything through like kind of the lens of whatever artist we are I don't know right, right. I mean if you're we have to be obsessive I think some people are more relaxed than others but I think once you get to a certain point like the play you're doing or whatever if you don't get lost in it what's you know, that's why we do this. Life sucks. I mean, you might as well enjoy something. Oh, this this feels good. You know, it's not drugs. It's not killing me. You know. Well, I always. I mean, everybody has obsession as almost a negative connotation, but it can take over your life. But I think it's healthy. You know, kids. That's the whole point of being a kid is you find something you get obsessed about, and you go on to the next thing, get obsessed about, and you know, eventually that as a kid, then like my obsession has never really gone away. You know, movies and comics. Right. Yeah. So it's always going to stay there. Right. So, and I want to go back to you, Alex. Um, Feel free. <laughs> uh, 
when did did you always wanted to do movies no no i've not in fact it's interesting I, I am surrounded by a lot of people who are desperate to be filmmakers it's like that in order for their themselves to believe that they're okay they have to be a filmmaker yeah i i've, I've often told people that if i release a third film a third film then i might start referring to myself as a filmmaker um what i say and i've not i've what i will say is that i've always been passionate about the arts always that it's temperamentally it's in a it's part of my essence whether it's painting poetry going to you know the med and whatever i've always been obsessed about the arts and my oh for i've found that film for me is the most profound way to be an artist because for me i've never found anything in my life that overlaps human interaction in a team business and logistics and concretization of making something happen over time and pure art those three things overlapping when i was a painter it's just no poet no i'm writing but in film you're working you're an artist you're a business person you're a team member and somehow all those three rings link up and so i got into digital media at a certain point and then in winter as i was just telling nora today in winter the completion like joe has said the fact the completion of the film and then how it was, it's been received it healed and changed me Right. It healed and changed me. And, and this one, if we're able to do this one, it will also transform me. I think that's kind of the whole point of art, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Serious. And it doesn't have to be, I don't mean serious, like self-serious or self-important. Right. I mean, art that is serious to the person making it, whether it's a comedy or tragedy, is serious to them in terms of their own transformation and their own process without question. Right. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm doing my first comic book ever and they tell you, you know, do a little 18 page story, you know, something like that. I can't. This thing has been in my brain for so long it just has to i do can't it. do it you gotta, you gotta, you gotta do it you know sometimes you yeah. just have to write a thousand page story to get it out of the way yeah. so if i can turn around what's your comic book about sorry i don't know anything oh, about it. oh it's a noir story it's a murder mystery story Ooh. black and white and it takes place in saint paul 1968 i love noirs i love all of it it's, all right yeah you yeah. might like our next film there's gonna be a lot of yeah black and white i my favorite movie is the maltese falcon it's one of those i catch myself and it's not intentional. Like every three months, I'm watching it. Mm. <laughs> and I think my second favorite is 2001, and then the third one is The Third Man. <laughs> so, and those old, and I love murder mysteries. When I was a kid, I one of my first, my favorite show to watch was Perry Mason. Mm, right, sure. <laughs> so, a little twelve year old boy is watching these black and white reruns of Perry Mason. Something really deep for you, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So noirs is always stuck in my crawl, and that's probably why I like Batman because it's dark and mm -hmm. noirs too. Yeah. So, you, you said this next one, the hunter, is going to be a little noirish. Uh, I was referring to to how we're starting to explore with Joa and with other colleagues um, what you might call the palette, the color scheme, and the way we're going to work with light. I'm looking a lot at um, tradition in painting, chiaroscuro, the, the the light thrown on a face with a lot of shadow behind, based on two things on our location, but also the fact that in the hunter. Uh, the human vulnerability in the human face is a critical aspect and i'm just seeing that so that style it's not we're not talking about a black and white film but we're talking about blacks and whites a lot bright bright like spotlight flashlight type stuff the yeah. whiteness of a face if it's a caucasian person if it's an african-american you'll see the richness of the darkness of the face set against white so a lot of that that contrasty material yeah. and in a, in a in a somber uh setting a somber setting I still think human faces are the greatest landscape. Yeah, portraiture, that type of thing. And that's what we're, the human face and body and is and the performances thereof are essential to this piece without question. All right. Well, we're gonna take a little break and I got a bunch more questions Sounds about good. The Hunter when we get back. Thank you so much. Yeah. Perfect. Hey everyone, Brian Thomas here from the former The Batman versus James Bond show and the upcoming The Night Cave show. Do you like noir, black and white, gritty murder mysteries? Do you like crime stories or even pulp comics? Then you're going to love Nick Palatichuk's debut graphic novel entitled The Greenway. It's 1968, and Butch Schultz, a black market merchant, finds that his friend has been murdered in a mansion in St. Paul. Now he is out looking for who did it, while the city's best detectives are on the case. Nick's graphic novel is already getting rave reviews, let me tell you. Zero Supervision Comics Podcast says, a dark, intriguing story that makes you want to know more. The Glenn Thinks Stuff Podcast says, it's explosive, captivating, and alluring. And actor Kyle Hester from The Chair, Zombie with a Shotgun, and Preacher Six says, can't wait for this book. You got to get on this. Order your copy today at Indie Planet, A New World of Comics. That's www.indieplanet.com. 
Hard copies, digital copies are available, and now digital copies are only $5. That's where I said it, just $5. So make sure you order yours today. We're back uh, with Alex, Nora, and Joa. So um, I would, I always kind of ask, it's kind of curious, when's the last, did you guys ever read comic books when you were a kid? Yeah, I, I had the kind of the standard superheroes plus Archie and Richie Rich and all that. Yeah, I read quite a bit. My cousins had huge collections. <laughs> I was hu- I loved Betty and Veronica. I loved them. I had like all, like every kind of stereotypical girly that was for me. My brothers had like the, you know, the super cool, like Wolverine, they right, loved X-Men. Yeah. So I had, you know, I'd gander. I mean, Wolverine, he's not bad to look at. Yeah, did you ever? Who wait? watches The Watchmen? <laughs> I got a copy Excited for that. the HBO yeah. show? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, you know, I dabbled in like the, I didn't really read them as a kid, I would say, but I, I went back and I definitely, I read Watchmen. I did like, Long Halloween and Killing Joke, which are kind of movies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that reminds me. We were we would we read all the Tintin, some of them in French. So you know, I just was reminded that I had forgotten about that. That was a part of my childhood as well. Was Tintin? But the interesting point about comic books is, even when I was a kid, there was like trash. If a teacher caught you with one, she would throw in the trash. Why are you reading that garbage? You Not anymore. Read. Not anymore. Art no. Spiegelman's Mouse was a big transition yeah, for graphic novels. Yeah, yeah. I remember when it came out; it was a big yeah. deal. It won yeah. a bunch of awards. Like the first one, yeah. the first comic book to win awards. Yeah. So, is let's go back to the, the Hunter. Sure. So, who written the Hunter? Uh, it's my writing. Okay. Yeah. Did um did you do outlines or anything or just um, kind of. Sp- Spill it yes, out. Uh, yes, I did. I outlined it. I, I didn't. I didn't necessarily follow the outline, but but when I but my but my out I did some outlines, and they were both linear in the sense of how the thing might flow through time, but not no, not really. The outlines were primarily conceptual. That is, what are what are the characters and what are concepts and what are issues? Okay, that was more like, and then I would write some scenes to deal with them, and then we will piece the scenes together. Did you have an ending in mind, or you worked up to it? Um. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, all right. Uh, I'll, I'll just say this. Um, I on in winter. This is relevant to this. On in winter, okay. we had an ending in mind, and what we knew about our ending was we knew we wanted our audience to leave the theater with an open-ended sense of like what happened to them, what did they choose, what did they do, what did she do, what. Okay. And but the ending that was written even in the script we used is not even close to the ending and and our editor very intelligently selected a scene and turned it into an unbelievable ending and i'll say that i'm i think it's an ending that's on parallel with any ending i've seen in any film but coming to the hunter where i am with the hunter is again i have an, a sense of emotion at the ending yeah. and some possibilities for how we might handle the ending but I don't know what the ending is. I may not even know until we're in the editing room. And so I may have, I'm going to have uh, our editor, Kalen, and I'm going to follow an LA director's suggestion. I'm going to let the editor do an editor's cut. I'm not going to look over his shoulder at all. And I'm going to look at that editor's cut and work from there. Okay. He might pick an ending for me. So that's where that is. Do you like it doing ending? Uh, pardon? Do you like to do editing? Um, I, I, I am not a professional editor and I leave the professional work of editing to the professional editors. However, I enjoy working with editors in their studios and going over footage and discussing transitions. I enjoy yeah. it, but I like editors to edit. I, I would be a disaster trying to edit. So Nora, how did you do Would You already knew that you're going to be part of Hunter or did you? Yeah. Like I, I mean, Alex was talking about, you know, I feel like we were always talking about that. We're like, oh, well, the next one will be it was it was kind of first a running joke. And then it was like, OK, so what what are we making next? And it was pretty it was like always I was like, OK, we're doing it. What okay. do you need? What's the ship need? Right. And same with you, Joey. Kind of. Yeah. Order. Yeah. So I I kind of come from an interesting place because I'm, you know, I'm in Minnesota and there is not a lot of creative creative work here we like we do there's some short films there's some features that come through 
But um, I think from the end of In Winter, after having that experience of like, I couldn't believe you finished that movie. <laughs> I'm like, I still, I'm still in <laughs> awe that you actually finished it. So yeah. at, at the end of that, I, I remember talking to Alex and being like, yeah, like uh, the next one, right? <laughs> so yeah. it's coming. And we're having, it, we're having that kind of reaction from some of the core actors who worked on In Winter, which causes me immense joy that, that people who I love and respect are want to do this again. And now these people are in a position, they don't have to do this if they don't want to do it. It's back then we were all taking a risk with each other. Everybody's gone on, they can do whatever. People are choosing to come back to work with us. Okay, all right. Which is amazing. Uh, so with, with you, when you're writing, did you already have like Nora in mind when you wrote it? Yeah, actually my, my vision for working with Nora was that, uh, that she and I would co-direct. And in a sense we are co-directing. I'm probably gonna have a sole director credit. It, it's not clear, but I, Nora is an incredible producer. Uh, she directs actors really well. She's a phenomenal actor. She can raise money. She can uh, cast, deal with costume. So my vision for The Hunter is to uh, essentially that Nora would really co-produce and do all yeah. this because she effectively did it on in winter. So as far as roles are concerned, I originally had one role that was written for her. Uh, we then looked at another one, our proof of concept video. She's exploring another role. And currently in the third draft of the script, there's a third role that we're both looking very closely at. She's guaranteed an important role in the film. We'll find out what the role is. We, we have a sense of what it is right now. But that could change again. We don't know. Whatever works. And like right. Nora says, the joke is whatever the boat needs. I sailboat race. When we get on the boat, we talk to the captain. Oh, yeah, I really want to trim the main. Sorry, you're sitting on the rail. What does the boat need? What does the film need? We're all ready to do what the film needs, not what we think we should be doing. Okay. You know, so. So we'll see. You got to, John, do you work with storyboards at all or no? Are you just? Um, it depends on the project, I will say. On right. in, in winter, no. But on this project, yes. Okay. <laughs> so we're, we're planning to approach this uh, in a much more uh, methodical fashion. Um, both in terms of time and utility, so right. it will be it'll be a different project, which is very exciting. So not only do you have to do the whole writing script, are you kind of working out a schedule of shooting? The where I am with that is, um, I'm working on the third draft of the script, and I'm I, I'm not at the point where I can nail down a shooting schedule. Got it. What I need to do there is when I have a, a, a working draft after this third draft. Then I then I analyze with with uh, Kalen Mars, who's technically uh, uh, behind me and working very deeply in Duluth, and with Joe and others, we analyze the scenes, uh, the setups, and we get a sense of how long it'll take us. We deal with our location. We talk about travel needs and requirements of people coming from out of state, and how to keep those things together and efficient. And that's how we generate our shooting schedule. But my estimate is twenty one days. I don't know. It's okay. just a rough. Just I don't know why where it's coming from, but twenty one days of shooting. You have to have a number and believe you can do it. Oh yeah, I actually happen. believe I, I believe I can do. I honestly, it's scary. I believe I could do it in fourteen. I, I just I don't. It's like you we're probably different could now. manically, but we yeah. will work yeah. twenty-one hour days. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that, especially for a union production because like we won't be able to afford to pay the overtime to the actors. Sure. So, so it's kind of a noir story. Are you doing going to do a lot of night shooting? No. Um. When I say when we say noir, I'm only referring to color palette. Sure. I'm not referring to the way drama unfolds or the way characters manifest. Although. Actually, in certain scenes, you'll see some noir influence for sure. But yeah. um, the much of the film will be shot on location in a very fascinating interior space, which uh, is uh, it doesn't care what time it is outside. Okay. Right. Nice. And Nora, do you like to do a location? On location does it help outside the theater and all that? Be to on location. Oh, to shoot. be on location. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's kind of like. Um, it's a it's, character. It's a character. His right. and especially, especially this location is definitely a character. It's fun. Did you were you on shooting? Were you out looking for locations as well? <gasps> yes, we did. We were just talking about. We discovered this location. We pulled into this gas station, and there was for, like this, this was on in winter for in winter, in winter. So we discovered locations for that. But for yeah. this film, we don't. And that was very fun because you find it and you just kind of charge towards it like a kid at recess. <laughs> right, and yeah. then the other people are like, yeah. "Why are this ragtag team of adults running?" Um, but anyway, so it's fun to find locations. I love it. But Alex has nailed the location for this film 
Yeah. Like, it just Ooh. no needed. One of I'm the needed. one of the questions, the meta questions we're facing is whether we're going to shoot the entire thing in this one. And I'm leaning yes. And there are people, you know. Anyway, it's we I found a, yes. we found a, an unbelievable location, and we're probably gonna we're probably gonna follow our our own desires. <laughs> if we shoot the entire thing in this location, we might be able to do it in 14 days. Damn right. <laughs> <laughs> So we'll just set up cots down there. Yeah. <laughs> See? Yeah. Well, somebody's got to watch the stuff, right? When everybody leaves. Yeah, you know, yeah we, we'll probably have lock secured rooms there, or we'll put in, you know, yeah. we'll probably have some safes there, actually. So, Jonah, do you have your own crew, like your own gaffers? And uh, We have not totally crewed up the film yet. Um, okay. We, we will. All right. Yeah, yeah. It that that is all in, uh, we are currently in pre-production, so that is all right. going to happen. Okay. So, uh, is it a, I know it's going to be a full feature film, yeah, but yeah. it's going to be like over 80 minutes or something like that. Or you think? Uh, yeah, I, the in winter was 97 minutes. Right. And the I, I believe that in order to do the work that this film needs to do, it'll be two hours or longer. I believe that it needs two hours to cover what it wants to say and do. Let me just say that uh, we're going to see this first edit. Um, Hands off, and we'll see how long mm. it is. Well, editing is oh, all about, right. so, editing's all about mm. cutting, not no, adding, no, no, right? I, I, I believe. Yeah. I believe. He yeah. also said this last time, so. Oh, right. <laughs> this is, no, you're right. We've had this experience somewhere yeah. before. Mm. Well, I think you have to. As, well, I went down from five to two. That's not right. bad. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, like I said, editing is about cutting, not about adding. So you want to get as much as you can because you can't just all of a sudden, oh, we need to add that. Right, right, right. But going back Good to in winter, that um, I was I was very happy, and also, like I said, some of the scenes that went away, I, I thought they were pretty and <laughs> wanted them to stay. But I think I think the right choices were made, and things that didn't support the film were cut. Which is, uh, right. if you've ever seen Apocalypse Now Redux, the the longer oh, yeah. version, yeah, you, you know that they nailed it the first time. So mm-hmm. I think you guys nailed it the first time. Thanks to Booba for a lot of that. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Do you, um, when you start movies and do you kind of send like homework? Like you- Yes, yes. Um, absolutely. We did a lot of homework was handed out for in winter. Example would be, uh, you must listen to these pieces of music for emotional resonance. You must read these novels. You have to see these films. It's required. Like I will say, I will suggest certain things and certain things are required. Like I'm not going to like for, for a deep, for a DP, I'm, there are going to be two or three movies. I'm going to say you have to watch this, and we have to talk about it. I'm not going to overload, right. um, you know. And and right. for for Nora um, or other actors, I might say, you know, um, I want you to watch the, these specific performances, and then I might have everybody listen to a few pieces of music. Plus, I feel that music can unite us at a very unconscious. De- like I say, this is the music. This is the sound of the emotion of this film. It'll help bring us all into a space. We might even play it at the beginning of like when we get out there to start the project or something. That was my next question: Is like, do you play music on set and stuff? Like uh, only if it's called for in the scene. Yeah, like there are some okay. scenes in which people are listening to music. So then, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Usually, my next question with filmmakers is when you always, you always think sound, even though you're not doing sound, you're always thinking about sound when you're filming and stuff. Yeah, we 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 uh, we're we're. First of all, there's the issue of the ambient sound in your environment. There are many people who have had their plans destroyed by sound scouting a place at 5 p.m. and then finding out, oh, it, every day at noon there's jackhammering. You have to be very, very careful. Um, right, yeah. We we uh, we think as deeply about our sound experience as we do about our visual. Uh, Tom Hamilton of Undertone Sound did a masterful job with our sound for in winter. Really, a, a world class job, and his foley is immaculate. It's immaculate foley, and it does so much. Uh, and and what I would say about the sound for The Hunter is it's uh, a little surreal and a little absurd like the film. And we're looking at uh, annoying, pretentious jazz mixed with weird sounds from animals and some kind of electronically new age stuff to represent three of the conceptual themes in the film. It's again, it's a soundscape you're not you won't have encountered it before. It'll be fun. There's some weird monkeys towards the end that begin to cackle. Maybe some weed whackers. Yeah, yeah weed whackers <laughs> you know, might work really been, well. We had them, yeah. And and the un- yeah. and this environment also has its own ambient sounds that I'm going to study. I'm going to know when they turn certain things on and off. What the sound- and these sounds are going to play a role because one of the issues in the film is the communication between dimensions and people within this dimension are going to be occasionally hearing, either seeing strange lights or hearing strange sounds from different environments and to them they'll be interpreted as maybe divine or supernatural whereas we're then going to cut into the other dimension find it's just two people discussing a film project and getting irritated with each other so there's these translations and sound sorry to go on and on there no no this very but um 
My another question is, um, usually does your artwork always kind of stay with you? How do you mean? It's a kind of just, it never really goes away. Even though you give birth to like a film, it always oh, kind of like, oh, almost like an, it's oh. almost kind of a, always a autobiography. I'm actually, I'd love to hear what Nora would say about her performance. It's like having a child and then what happens. Like, I think I'm, it's the question about how do you relate to your artwork once you're finished? Yeah. Would either of you guys like to share on that? Yeah. I, I, we talk a lot about the baby, you know? And right. so it's, I feel like it's always, yeah, very much. And especially between Alex and I, we're like, oh, the baby. Yeah. Well, the baby's going to go to New York and <laughs> like, right. and it does feel, it feels like maybe an old self or an, the way you'd almost feel towards a child, like it's an extension, but then like now the child's grown up. So I forget about it for a while and then it comes back and it's like, oh, the baby. Yeah. That's a great, you know, that's great. Um, I, I that's that helps a lot because my emotional connection to in winter is is incredibly deep but as the analogy would be okay so you have an adult or adolescent kid that goes to college you love them just as much and it's precious when you see them but I can my son can be out of my consciousness for a while he's independent when yeah. he was in and so then he comes back the I, the love hasn't changed but it's a different love my attitude is different and like with the film Nora did some extremely difficult physically intimate work with Charles Hubble in the film and for all of us particularly for her but that was a very challenging thing to do and right. I was accused of being a pornographer because I was frankly dealing with human sexuality in the most non-pornographic way possible but that'd as be I've, very weird porn you know, as, as, <laughs> sad porn like, it wouldn't turn anybody on you know? right, yeah. but as I as I like it's a kink as I get months away and I yeah. watch the film again and again at different festivals and screenings I, although I'm always, I'm biased or whatever, I just it's a piece of art. It's like those are actors. They're act, it's like I lose that personal thing and I get to step back and be the father, but watch it do whatever the hell it's going to do. It's yeah. been a really cool thing. Cool, interesting. You got any point of view about for your work? For your work? Um, yeah, I guess mine is kind of interesting because I, I I feel like you much more than me birth this, whereas like the. Being being very technically minded and coming at it like obviously there's there is like painting with light you hear all that about cinematography all the time but also for me it, it's it's very much thinking about 180 rule and like the the technical rules of of film too so it's kind of like I I have an almost a a little bit of a different relationship like with you it were the which tutor. is you were sort yeah, of yeah I'm like tutor that, I'm the math tutor yeah. you know what I mean but you I'm like, like captured it you I'm were so like proud of the kid <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you added the strut. You like captured it. It's I almost like feel like an image of you like kind of with this net being like, ha ha, we got it, we got it. Yeah, prisoner baby, is that our metaphor as a group? Uh, maybe I don't know. But then, you, <laughs> then we released it together. It's, it's <laughs> great. That's a good I, question. Can, can you still answer? Can you still watch your own stuff? You know, it's funny. Bergman said he had a really really hard time watching his own work. I think every filmmaker has a different relationship to their own world. Yeah. I have um, I people ask me. This people asked me when it, when it was finished. They said, "Well, how did it come out compared to your expectations?" And I always say the exact same thing. I mean, if they ask details, like I say, "It's better, worse, and different than what I expected." It's better, it's worse, and it's different. Um, I watch it. It's really fun to watch it. It's difficult to watch it from where I am now as a director and to see some of the weaker things that yeah. I chose to do. It's also immensely satisfying to see what we were able to do. And like Joe says, how we did it, we don't know. It's a beautiful work of art with all its flaws. And it's educational to watch it. It's those three. It's embarrassing. It's humbling. It's beautiful. And it's educational because as we go into our next project, the, what I tell people is I'm a sophomore now. I've made my freshman mistakes. I'll make my sophomore mistakes it's now. Work, Different mistakes will be made. <laughs> nice. Um, well, we've got a couple more uh, questions left. Um, did you watch First Reformed? Um, I saw some trailers for First Reformed, and I did not watch it. Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Well, it, cause, uh, the only reason I ask is you've cited Bergman all the time. And, yes, um, I do cite Bergman. This is a Schrader's version of Winter's Light. Oh, yeah. interesting. Very yeah. interesting. So it's very um, much. I was told to watch First Reformed. And I should. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. I think it's Paul Schrader's homage to homework. Homework. Let me add though that yeah. although I have immense respect for Bergman, Bergman was a was a was an anchor for In Winter. He's not an anchor. The anchor for the hunter 
I'm, I'm really studying Tarkovsky more closely, but it's, it's uh, my relationship with, with, with filmmakers now is different. Bergman was a huge thing for yeah. in winter. Huge. But no, I haven't watched First Reform. So you have your own personal copy of Persona? Uh, no, I don't have personal. I have personal copies of a few things. I just watch stuff like whatever I can, wherever sure. I can. Persona, in my view, is when I saw Persona, I was like, oh, yeah, that's one of the greatest films I've ever seen. It's Persona is a mine. It's phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal. Nara, do you have a favorite movie or favorite director? Oh, my God. My favorite film is Breaker Morant, the Australian film, just straight up favorite. But sorry. I have no answer to this question. Really? Is that bizarre? You have to think about it. It'll, I guess it'll I come to, think to you, about Joe. It. You take it. In the okay. I, I have no favorite director, as those yeah. kind of change with mood. I feel like, but my favorite movie is Apocalypse Now. Oh, 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 oh. So that's right. It, it was. It's like the whole time. It's 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 huge scale, but intimacy at the same time. Very well yeah. said. That's a. It's yeah. an unbelievable film. Unbelievable. And it's on good. top of that, it was. A, it's an unbelievable tale of how they made it. So. <laughs> right. If you ever, if we, you ever doc- watch Hearts of Darkness, the filmmaker's apocalypse, you'll know yeah, what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. Do you still got one or no? I'm like a super. We're all going to look at you now. This is like the worst. Who doesn't have an answer for that? What kind of a monster? Well, I, I think it's good because I think I'm a theater some of person. I don't do film. Right? You know, I don't do film. I'm a theater. Person. What's your favorite player? Play. How about yeah. play? Oh my god! I don't know. I, I right now I'm working on four four eight. Psychosis, which is a play by Sarah Kane, okay. um, who uh, was just like kind of lauded as like you know the next playwright of her time in the '90s, and she uh, eventually committed suicide after writing this play. So right now, I'm just having just a ton of giggles, and, you're and that pers- that's where and that's you're my role in it. Yeah. Correct. So that's what I've been really into, and it is truly, truly my new favorite piece of writing is this script. What's it called again? Four Four Eight Psychosis. Four Four Eight Psychosis. Relatively new play, or no, well, no. I mean, it was in the came out in the '90s. Okay, for yeah. me that's relatively new. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, I don't know. I think we're yeah. That is new. No, no. <laughs> oh, right. Well, thanks guys for coming on my podcast. Yeah, yeah. Thanks yeah. for having us. It's a, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having us. Yeah, yeah. thanks. Um, we usually um, usually I don't. My last question is always about what's your favorite movie. And you guys have been citing it all the time. But if there's an, a movie that we haven't talked about or something or a piece of work that we haven't talked about yet. I give you the floor to mention or bring it up to my listeners. Thank you. Yeah. Joey, you want to start? Who's got a piece? I just saw Us. That was interesting. Oh, the new one. The new one, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, scissors. That's all I got to say. The scissors are sticking with me. Hmm. I got I got to go back like to Dial Henry Jagger. Murder scissors. Yeah. Dial oh, yeah. It's totally Ooh. that that style. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I really I really like Henry Jaglum's film he did uh, what was it Always But Not Forever is the name of the particular film and I just watched it and like wept it was like a full day it was like the type of film that just stayed with me and I'm obsessed with it all right, Alex, I'm ready for your homework. Oh, um, well, just a couple quick things. I just wrapped watching all of Roger Moore's Bonds. That's one thing. Uh, I'm, I'm lowbrow when What was the takeaway? There's no. got to be a takeaway. Uh, the takeaway is that um, I can appreciate Moore's acting. He was actually a, quite a good actor. Um, the, uh, the other thing that I want to say is that I, I have to say that um, Tarkovsky right now is um, the person that I'm learning the most from. Um, and I and I, and Bergman once said that even Tarkovsky, who's the greatest, even Tarkovsky began to make Tarkovsky films, and then he said Kurosawa never made a Kurosawa film. And to me, that remark's so important. I see where he, what he meant, and it, it seems to me that the difference there is that for Kurosawa, every single film spoke itself, its own. It spoke its own needs, and he answered to those. And I believe Bergman is saying that at a certain point, Tarkovsky found something that he had to repeat or was formulaic for him and fell victim to that. I believe that's the point. I think I see the point. Lastly, just because I happened to watch it the other night, um, Hamlet 2000, uh, which is a remake of Hamlet in New York City in 2000, starring Ethan Hawke, uh, a very very phenomenal director bill murray's in it it's it's a it's a it's a really courageous experiment and it, it's in winter has higher remarks on imdb than hamlet 2000 
But uh, see Hamlet 2000. Anyone who wants film cinematographer, brilliant stuff. So Hamlet 2000. That is my homework. (laughs) Hamlet 2000, yeah. Yeah. Actually, there's also a lot of video within the film in that and art and play within the film and they break walls, etc. Did Tchaikovsky did the Russian film with um, sci-fi? Yes, Tarkovsky, uh, Tarkovsky, among many things, Solaris was the original. Solaris was his. He, He did Sacrifice, Mirror, um, what was on, the one that was on the train cart? Ah, uh, Stalker. That, Stalker. That's my favorite. Yeah, one. Stalker's a killer for me. Solaris probably, and I mean, Mirror is my favorite. But yeah. whatever. But Stalker it starts up like a little cafe. Stalker starts out with Tarkovsky said, yeah. "What I like to do is I like to make my my beginnings such that the people who really don't deserve to be there will walk out." So, if, for example, <laughs> in, in that's what we did in, in Winter. There's <laughs> like, there's like, uh, that's a paraphrase. But in Tarkovsky in Stalker, there's an incredibly long ride where they're sitting on that rail car. And it's like just going and going and going. Similar right. in Solaris, there's this underpass scene that we shot, but we didn't use it in winter. Literally, I think it's 14 minutes of some dude and his son driving through overpasses in Moscow. The funny thing is, I'll, I'll bring it up if you haven't seen Atomic Blonde. I have not. There's a chase inside a movie theater, and the movie that's playing is Stalker. It's I didn't in, realize oh, that, but I do remember Stark- that scene Stalker now. With, uh, oh, okay, with the yeah. cloud room. Yep. And that wow. is playing in theater. Oh, the plowed room with sand, or yeah, okay. yeah from yeah. Stalker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I was like, of course, because they're in East Germany, and that's the movie they're going to have to watch. Wow, <laughs> yes, it's amazing. Right. All yeah. right, well, thanks guys for coming. This is this is a lot of fun. Thank cool. you, so thanks much. for having us. And of course, it's not over till the guests say it's over. I, Finish him. <laughs> is that fatality? Right? Yeah. Uh, I, I just want to encourage folks to to listen to Nick's show, and uh, if you if you're interested in. Um, being involved with our work or, or checking it out, uh, you can find us on the net uh, in winter and the hunter. All set. It's over. It's over. It's over. <laughs>